0: RUB BET THE whole FIT'S TELL! RUB BET THE whole FIT'S TELL! THAN DAMNATO! THAN TERMANATO! THAN COUNCIONATO!
1: All right, What's up, everybody? Oh. This is episode, man, I don't even know, episode 39, I think, of One of a Kind with RVD, and guys, you know who's here, and it's Mr. Monday Night. On Monday night, it is Rob Van Dam. Rob, yeah. what this week, brother? Special episode this week.
0: Yeah, special time, special night. It happens to be a good night for me, Mr. Monday Night, as everybody knows. Um, hey, by the way, I guess, should I start calling myself Mr. Wednesday night now, or what?
1: I think so. I think so. It's
0: appropriate, huh? But then, wow. I don't know, it was almost Mr. Saturday night, too. but I, I was, was basically
1: already... Mr. Every Damn Day of the Week.
0: That would be you it. could do that. All um, oh, there, yeah. This weekend, uh, we were in Queens, New York. Thank you for everybody that came out to the signing. Holy crap, what a busy day, dude. Was it? Busy day. Oof, at uh, Wrestling Universe. In uh, Queens, it's a, a wrestling store. I've signed there a few times before, and um, I think everybody has, but it was ECW day, and I was there from 11, pretty much 12 hours, from 11 till at least 10.30 at night. Oh, yeah. yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, it, it was, it was for the most part, it was like nonstop action in a big line, so it was crazy, crazy busy. Um yeah, it was supposed to be eleven to eight, uh, and then um, we were going to do a virtual from nine to eleven, and then uh, that got uh, put off. And then these people that had made side deals with, you know, limited number of pieces, private signing, or whatever, came in, loaded, unloaded all this stuff, and I was <sighs> took, took took care of a lot of people, but also met a lot of cool people. Um, and you know, New York is uh, is where it's at. My my agent was like, "How come you're so popular in New York?" I said, "Dude, it's." They love Ivory D. This was like they were fighting to uh, for us to move our home of ECW from Philly to uh, to New York City because they loved us so much and always gave us so much, so much damn respect. But anyway, that was cool. And while I was there, um, got a lot of gifts. Uh, some of the gifts came from Green Apple Meds, a dispensary there in, in New York. And so um, I, just, I just opened this one up. Um, It happens to be called Rolling Thunder, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to roll it, and uh, let's try this one on the air. So thank you, Green Apple Meds. I'm about to uh, put a filter in this guy, and then just like always, I'll let it go out continuously as I give long-winded answers.
1: (laughs) That's the way to do it, Rob. That's the way to do it. Uh, did you happen to run
0: into what other ECW guys did yeah, you? Well, let's see. There was uh, Raven and Francine and Roadkill and Chris Chetty and Danny Doring and Sabu and Sandman and Todd Gordon and PJ Just Incredible. Yeah. And I feel like maybe one more. Did I say Francine?
1: Yeah, you said Francine. Yep.
0: Okay. That, that might have been it, or I might be. Mo-
1: was like shane douglas there or? Travis? no no no
0: that might have been it oh it say- did, everybody did shifts except me i was there like all day
1: yeah yeah that's what i remember you saying you were you were the resident <laughs> there and everybody else was like kind of had their own kind of shifts and there
0: <laughs> someone books me i usually try to give them a chance to make their money back you know what i mean this yeah. is crazy and it was really good turnout
1: how tired does your hand get after signing all that stuff is it kind of
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, you towards the end, you know, yeah, my hand it falls asleep. That's how mm-hmm. tired. And uh but my brain was turning to mush after a while, especially at the very so it's like nine thirty or ten o'clock, you know, and we just came back from the diner. We went over there, took a little break and ate. The store was closed now, but there's one guy that had uh paid for me to sign a bunch of items and stuff and so I was like well you know, right, I'll, I'll try and take care of them you know and went over there and I'm signing for a while and I'm like dude like my brain is turning to mush like it's not even working I'm forgetting how to spell RVD and I, I'd be like um, um it, got, it got so bad I was like how many items um dude do you have and he's like 150 I was like oh my god holy shit It's like doing a whole nother signing. Like a lot of people don't draw 150 at their whole signings if they're there for three hours, you know? And this is just a little add on. And there was a lot of those multiple item people during the signing that were sneaking their stuff in, in between the line of fans. And so it was like, it was a lot of work, you know, if I would have wrestled for AEW, which was in town in Las Vegas. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately I was asked a little too late if I was able to do it. Um, I would have worked uh, uh, a lot less hard uh, by wrestling (laughs) and and, and and come out better in the pocket too. So, but um, although a lot of talent would do that, I would never do that to the fans, you know, or to somebody that booked me, a lot of fans would just be like, yeah, screw this. I got a a better opportunity because they don't think people remember and they don't care about their reputation or they don't last too long or get too far in the business when they do do that. So.
1: Right, you got to be reliable. Yeah,
0: but anyway, everyone knows IVD ain't gonna do that, so
1: that's why you're one of a kind, Rob. That's why. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, that
0: is rare. (laughs) Well, if it's one of a kind, you know, hopefully, hopefully, there's some more people. There's
1: several, several of those people (laughs) that can can do that that have reliability in them. Um, Yeah, yeah, guys, uh, if you're listening right now, we are live, and we have a good amount of folks in here. Uh, some usuals, some new people here. Uh, Brad Spicoli, Alphonse Ragusa. Uh, man, a lot of different names. If you guys want to get questions in, feel free to ask. Uh, get the super chats in; that always helps charge it up, and we'll definitely get to those. You're
0: actually, not going to believe this. I got to go grab an ashtray.
1: Go and grab one. You're a-okay. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks everybody for joining in here. There's some cool stuff. People are. I've been hearing stuff about. Uh, let's see, Ghostbusters in here. Uh, Thomas V. Actually says. Love your RVDology. I was wondering if you could go over your fitness and nutrition ideology. Um, I got that a little off air here, Rob, a little bit. Uh,
0: yeah. What were we talking about?
1: We were talking about pre workout, and uh, you know. Oh yeah.
0: Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just mentioning, you know, I've only all I know about pre workout. Pretty much my whole life was just to take it to hopefully give you energy. And I didn't really know, I guess it's healthier than coffee. But now that I know a lot more, just stuff that I've learned in the last year, I like um, a pre-workout has to have citrulline in it. You know, amino acids all have like there's over 7000 different fucking um, peptides, which are amino acid chains there's uh, that are you know amino acids uh, a long enough chain makes a protein. sort of a protein is, is the peptides, and um, these are great for the body. They come into your you take you take them. They tell your body what to do, and then they leave, and they just and it's not you know like putting a substance in your body because it's telling your body what to do when it already does it, and it's amino acids. But anyway, citrulline is an amino acid that I learned. Um, is if you particularly are interested in vascularity or increasing blood flow, which is basically the same thing, um, that's that citrulline uh, is one. So in pre-workout, um, I have to have citrulline in it because it's important to me to see my veins popping out like hoses to motivate me during my workout, and so I can see my gains and. Uh, Um, I also have citrulline and and glutamine and creatine separate because if the pre-workout and post-workout doesn't have that in it uh, because I'm taking samples of uh, something that I don't normally have or whatever, or sometimes I'll have so much energy from being geeked up on coffee and maybe uh, Adipex or something, um, sometimes I don't want to take a pre-workout. I'll just take, you know – so sometimes I'll just put uh, the, the um, citrulline and uh in some amino energy, which is a lot weaker uh, or even just just uh, flavored water sometimes because I have I buy these little packets online of sugar free um, electrolytes, just little powder that I put in the water. And I don't know, I guess they're probably about a buck a piece. It's like I think there's 20 in a bag and it's a roughly 20 Bucks, but I could be off. But, um, but you know, just to add electrolytes to the water, that's something I do too. But, but anyway, this guy. It let's know about working out. Which, by the way, I took my pre-workout and I just started working out today and, and just got warmed up and got a pump. And I had to come in and go to the bathroom, and uh, and then I got distracted. That took a minute. And then Dominic already sent me the link to the show, and then pretty soon it's time to do the show. So right now, if you see me sweating, you might be my pre-workout kicking in. I definitely can tell that I'm speaking a lot faster than I normally do. Um, that's because I should be out there busting some curls on the Smith machine right now, which is one of my favorite exercises to stand there or sit um, sometimes with my chest against uh, uh, an incline, you know, and do like a preacher crow kind of position, kind of, but anyway, um, that's 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 one thing. But as far as working out goes, uh, at 53, my workout has changed a lot. The, you know that over the years, I used to just lift super heavy. I would when I got to WWE, I would bench um, at least 385, if not 405, um, like every single uh, uh, bench day should be every other chest day because i would do incline one time and then flat the other time and anyway um and i would do every time i would do legs i would on my fourth set i would put 405 on and do 12 deep reps every time and that would that would turn a lot of eyes in the gym because you know it's flexible and i'd squat really deep and people would be staring i don't know if you know that or not three plates bends the bar four plates really bends it and makes it look kind of floppy when you're when you're popping up uh, from a squat but um anyway now i hardly ever lift heavy it's more just about the pump it's about i don't even do full contractions on a lot of stuff it's just not necessary it's about seeing that pump feeling it see uh feeling the blood flow into there something that i've been um trying recently but i definitely haven't mastered yet and when i do i'll talk to you about it ddp's um got these cuffs yeah yeah and- yeah so it's a um it it, it cuts off your blood i forget what the technical name of it is right now but it um the power coast right yeah the power coast the 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 idea the philosophy behind it it's like blood restriction movements or something like that in any way blood flow restriction i think maybe that's what what it is is yeah I tell you what, man, I put those things on my arms, get them as tight as I could. My arms hurt so bad doing the lightest weight and doing a lot of, a lot of reps. Cause you do a set of 30, wait 30 seconds, 15, wait 30 seconds, 15, wait 30 seconds, 15. So you do four sets on the, uh, um, on the exercise with these things on it. And, and the idea is it, it, your, your veins, um, your veins go towards your heart, and they're 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 flexible. That's why the citrulline uh, helps them expand. I used to think people with really big veins popping out must have bad blood flow. It looked like it was just pressure building up. Sure. But now yeah. I understand when you increase the blood flow. You actually uh, stretch your veins out, make them bigger so they can handle more blood. And that's what that is. So it's actually a healthy thing. That's why bodybuilders have veins popping out everywhere. Uh, it's not because they're unhealthy. It's the opposite. And um, But your arteries are something else. Arteries aren't flexible. Mm-hmm. So you can't stretch them out and make them pop. They're made a lot harder. And the arteries go, um, I'm sorry, the arteries go towards your heart. The veins come out of your heart and into your body and stuff. So with the power cuffs and the blood flow restriction uh, philosophy, you're actually um, stopping the blood. I think I said it backwards again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Veins go veins vein go to your heart. Veins okay. go to the heart. Yeah. Okay. And arteries so, pump out the blood. Yes. So yes. what happens when you when you squeeze it and restrict the blood is you're restricting the blood that's coming out of your muscle, but you're not restricting the blood that's coming in. Oh. Because the arteries are stiffer, they're not gonna be squeezed, and your veins will. So it allows blood to come in but not go out, thus you know uh, increasing the blood in there and the pressure, and it's pretty cool. Um, the one thing I don't get about it yet is how it affects the rest of the body which i've watched videos i've heard many it's been around for a while um but ddp has his own brand now um and he sent me some and i said dude i'm gonna tell people about it as soon as i wrap my head around it more because i don't get how putting the power cuffs on my arms get uh how that affects the blood flow in my chest shoulders and back but allegedly it does though everyone says it does but for me, you know, I definitely get it with my arm workouts and with my leg workouts. Holy crap, putting them on my legs. A different pair, by the way. Oh, okay. leg, leg cuffs and arm cuffs. And then doing, you know, 30 squats and then 15, 15, 15. Um, amazing. And uh, so that's that's something. That's not every workout yet, but I'm working those in, trying to uh, understand that more and more. And uh, mostly I changed my workout a lot. When I started watching this guy on YouTube, Ryan, Ryan, um, what's his name? Dang it. Um, I'm going to get, I'll get back to you on that. It's been a while since I've watched him and Mick, Mick Mick Miller, something like Mick Miller, Ryan Mick Miller i'll look that up and i'll give that back to you in case anyone's interested which obviously they are but this guy like i'm unorthodox in this ring that's how i found this guy with lifting like everything that i thought i knew about lifting this guy kind of debunked it and he's huge he's jacked huh Um, and um he obviously knows what he's talking about and and he does all these workout videos and it's kind of entertaining because he jokes throughout all of them and stuff and he's got a Pretty dry, corny sense of humor. <laughs> Hi, baby. baby. Hey. What's up, Katie?
1: Hey. How are you? Good. That's good. Good to see you. You too. Thanks.
0: And so anyway, uh, that guy really changed my workouts with, you know, made uh, – I started doing lighter and more more reps, but also stop doing like the full reps and uh, wow. stop resting and doing things that that I did just because it was formula, you know, mm-hmm. and started like, dude, you ready for your next set. Just go. And anyway, I'm going to tell you who he is so that. Uh,
1: is it Ryan McMillan?
0: I, I don't think so. That's okay. also not, no.
1: I was trying to Google Ryan Fitness Guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good guess. Well, he's in my subs. Damn, that's a shame it's, it's been a while um, since but but i i started doing his workouts and subscribed to his uh to his uh phone app and uh found it really good but i don't lately it's been a while since i've done his uh his workouts as well hey there's us dude check that out hey how about whoa. that
1: <laughs> hey look at that there we
0: are live whoa there's rvd and i'm pointing at my phone you're and-
1: pointing at you <laughs> <laughs> Well, That's funny, uh, Brad here says, uh, Dr. RVD. Yeah, Rob, you just talked. I got a health lesson from you about the blood flow and all that stuff. Uh, certainly, uh, Dr. RVD, indeed.
0: <laughs> so. um, I'm going to find this dude while we're talking. And, uh, But, yeah, anyway, hopefully that helped answer, uh, you know, some of the questions. As far as working out goes, you know, it's uh, – I don't – like I used to be so formula. I used to be like, man, I got to hit – buys and tries and shoulder and chest and back. And I still got to get all that in. But mm-hmm. a lot of times I'll just do chest every day, buys every day. Uh, instead of worrying about 12 sets of this muscle and moving on to the next one. Sometimes I'll, I'll be like, I'm going to do biceps and shoulders today. But to warm up, I'll do four or five sets of chest or whatever. And For me, it's more about getting that pump and getting that change to where I feel like f- filled with blood um and getting that and and then it's just it's awesome getting that getting that uh getting that feel um whatever it takes to get up to that and then i'll focus on whatever i want to get the most gains on and go like real intense with it
1: right so if you feel certain like you know like if doing like a chest would kind of help get you going a little bit get the blood pumping a little bit just to work on other stuff you'll do that if you feel the need to
0: Yeah, sure. I will, like, uh, do cable crossovers just to really squeeze and get my chest pumped up, even if I just did bench the day before or whatever. I used to think, oh, no, I need at least 48 hours to rest or I'm going to overtrain. Oh, that's what it is. This guy, I'm going to – I'm about to show you because I'm on my – um I'm on my subs here, but this guy said um he doesn't believe in overtraining. That was the one thing oh. that Ryan Homiston, H-U-M-I-S-T-O-N. Um hopefully I get you some subscribers, Ryan. But um he he he's always said that he doesn't believe in overtraining. And I was like, I think he's right. And and he, you know, and, and he was answering questions one time and he said, Ryan, what do you think about overtraining? And he went, do it. like he said i challenge you to overtrain. your body can really handle a lot more than you think it can and will adapt to it and he said even if you are able to achieve it you're probably going to get some results which is better than the shitty workout you were doing before
1: right yeah even if you're just doing a little bit each day and stuff like that that accumulates over time and you get consistency going ryan humiston yeah and
0: i do and cardio is important of course but sometimes i'll skip it um but it's important, especially because I'm not wrestling every day and i got to have my cardio up so I can still get in the ring and wrestle even if it's been, you know, two, three, four months sometimes. So, uh, But cardio is always important anyway. I mean, it, the, the heart, first off, having a strong heart is important. We don't want to die of a heart attack. But also that sets the rate for everything, for your metabolism, how your body processes, what you eat, everything. It all starts with having a good cardiovascular system. And um I, I i mix it up but i like to do mine in a sauna
1: yeah do you do like an elliptical or anything or how do you use it? what's your best form what's your most preferred form of cardio i guess if you will yeah
0: so um uh it's us uh, i have uh, um a stack of steps in my sauna and so in my saunas I'm 120 240 degrees in the summer it'll get to 160 um but i'm in there and um and i'll do at least 300 steps you know up both feet down both feet up both feet down both feet and i'll do them in sets of 50 and um it's up to me to set the pace you know so i can like rush the whole thing up down up down up down you know or i could start out slower and then speed up or however i want to break it up and a lot of that depends on if i have a match coming up i need to work harder sometimes i'll set another uh, let's do another 100 let's do 400 today but but i'll get i'll do it and then and i, and I try to blow myself up uh, at the end of every set that i do and then when i get off of it i don't allow myself to rest instead i start working on my speed back yeah so that's my preferred cardio. Well, how about that?
1: Wow. Everybody, take some notes. I hope you took some notes. You can go back and listen to this episode and, and write some stuff down. Yeah. Me. And, uh, yeah, I put his name, too, that uh, Ryan H- Humiston in the chat here so people can see it. And Yeah, subscribe to his cool. channel. Check yeah, him thank
0: you. check him out. He's entertaining, and um, he really knows a lot of his shit, and he's jacked, you know, so look at him. And it's like, yeah, I mean – but, it, but the stuff that he says, he's a non-conformist. So right away, I was like, oh my god, this guy's great. He's the opposite of traditional um, teachings, and 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 so I tried it first stand experience, loved it.
1: That's what I like too about DDP Yoga or DDP is Like he doesn't use weights, and like I use weights now. I go weightlifting and all that stuff now. But it's like all. You know, your your own body dynamic resistance and stuff like that. And I really, yeah, yeah. I really, well, do it. I, after
0: I started watching Ryan uh, Hummiston videos, um, I very rarely do less than 15 reps, uh, on a set. Yeah. And, um, and you know, sometimes it'll be real slow, even if it's curls, it might be like really, really slow, just, you know, like, or might just be like really focusing on the negative, you know, um, yeah. there's, it, it, it's more about just, getting that blood in there feeling that blood pump in there and then and seeing it you know like it's uh there's a big difference for me when i when i get in the gym and look in the mirror and then you know 10 minutes later when i'm pumped huge difference it's amazing
1: that's awesome i'm yeah. definitely gonna look into this a little bit more too rob we got some super chats here seth before he, he couldn't make the show today but he did leave us twenty dollars thank you seth uh, it's, uh, the music too much man. The music and, man yeah
0: man. man we're uh we're trying to we we'll didn't get, get that
1: you. back we'll get the we'll get the song back here somewhere one way or another he says have an awesome show I'm at rehearsal right now I sent this in earlier I received my RVd green bud hat in love it also man. a little higher is out now on iTunes and everywhere by the way the RVD chant in the song is actually from uh is it a hard wait, hardcore heaven 1999 I believe so okay so, good yeah. to know Nice. That's, yeah, that's
0: awesome. I love the song. And uh, yeah, everybody. Uh,
1: check it out. Go right. to iTunes and go to Spotify and look at it. Or you can hit his YouTube channel too. Uh, but just check out VBDC Venus Beach. I think you can type it in and that it should pop up then. I think that's how I found it too.
0: So, Dude, maybe we should be a platform for like listeners that make music. Like, if they want to send us different stuff and we just try it different stuff, yeah,
1: why the heck not? I think that's a good idea, you know. Yeah, you guys want to lay down an RVD track or something that that vibe as well, yeah, hit it over to me, send it to me, send it to uh, let me see, uh, dpdangelo at gmail.com, hit me over there, and we'll I'll uh, be happy to filter through them. I, uh,
0: I used to, um want to do that with my Twitter, have some kind of – I don't know if it would be a contest. I never developed it. It was just half a thought. Yeah. I was thinking the idea was what would you do with your Twitter if you had a million followers, you know? Oh, yeah. And, hey, somehow, something, boom, guess what? I'll fucking post your tweet. And um, anyway, I didn't really know what to do with it, but it was something that I thought – might be cool for the fans, you know, I don't know.
1: You get, get a little of them self-promotion or whatever it may be. That's pretty cool. I like that. Next super chat we have here is 95 North Falcons talk show. Thank you for the $10. He says, Hey, Robin Dominic, Rob is today's style of wrestling less demanding than it was back in the day. How do you kind of balance that out? Rob, in regards to the style of wrestling is, a lot more athletic and, you know, faster paced and a little more risky sometimes, but you guys wrestled a lot more too.
0: Um, I think that it is not less demanding. You know, that's, that's my initial thought. You know, maybe if I thought about this for 20 minutes, maybe I would feel different, but, you know, just exploring my brain, I'm thinking about the difference in style and, um, it's kind of, First off, someone like me, I always put so much demand and stress on myself. You got to be a self-perfectionist, I think, to actually make it as far as I did in the industry. And that means there's no room for error. I do not forgive myself if I err. And that could just be the simplest thing. It's I would beat myself up. Not as much anymore if I if I slipped or something. Maybe now I could be like, oh, well, okay. All right, I want to jump to the top. And, and, and wasn't quite able to make it, but at least I recovered and, you know, was able to, you know, fucking land on the top and second, get the, whatever. I, that I put upon myself, that kind of stress and, 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 and demand. But, you know, I learned to wrestle in front of the ECW crowd and they're waiting also for you to not be able to jump up all the way to the top rope and land on the second rope. So they can say, you fucked up, you fucked up. <laughs> That was a lot of pressure. That was a, uh, you know, that was a lot of uh, intense, uh, especially if I wanted to come across graceful and and perfect like I did. Uh, so that was very difficult. Today, I still feel like I got to come across that way. I still feel like I got to prove myself every time I'm in the ring. With this match I just had on AEW inspired a lot of people, and a lot of people were so happy to see that I can still move. But just imagine, what if I would have had an off night? What if I would have twisted my ankle the night before or something and didn't come across looking quite so spectacular? The fans then would make it a fact that I couldn't go anymore the way that I used to. Even if I was sick, had a stomachache, and it affected the way that I moved, there's no room for error. Even now, even after 30-some years of of busting my ass like I have in the ring, I still have to uh, back up my reputation every single time I'm in the ring. So there's no less uh, demand um, when it comes to the job, and and now you know a lot of uh, a lot of it is um, more set up than it was before, as far as you know the guys preparing for what they're going to do out there, as opposed to calling it on the fly, which could be um, easier, especially if you were in there with someone that was really good that could lead you through a match, you know, and you're on your way up, listening and learning. Um, that could be uh, a lot easier than going out there now and and trying to remember, you know, oops, 25 minutes worth of uh, spots and and trying to think about being in the, you know, thinking of the whole, um, not the story as far as, you know, you're a good guy, you're a bad guy, you're, you know, cheating That's the story that needs to come across. But the focus has gone from that to the particulars of, you know, chop, 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 (laughs) chop, duck, chop, duck chop, 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 chop. (laughs) And so, you know, that that has its own demand.
1: (laughs) I've seen it plenty of times, too, like when I'm backstage at certain events. There's so many guys or gals like rehearsing the whole match over what they're doing and everything like that. And it's like not focusing. You're They're not thinking about how the crowd's going to react and how you're going to react in time, you know, to tell that story and get that point across to.
0: It doesn't even, yeah, it doesn't it. really go through their mind. And then later on at the end, you got to try and look at the whole picture and see, you know, like, what did, what, what did you guys just paint there? You know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it works out good, but yeah, it's, it's different in that way.
1: It's very different. Yep. Jem the Don, a regular here. He says, if you had to move somewhere out of the United States, Rob, where would you move to?
0: Okay. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, you know, everyone's nice in Canada, and they have free health care and Tim Hortons, and I can <laughs> where, where that could have, and they love marijuana. Um, good
1: comedy scene there, too, in Canada. Good comedy scene.
0: But a little cold from my taste. Um, Man, I would really have to think about it a lot. But I I always thought that I would like living in Amsterdam. I really think it's a cool um, little town. I love the canals. And um, it's it's different because it's like there's block after block after block, like New York City, but instead of... bunch of cars honking and stuff there's like boats and bikes and um and it's 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 really interesting i like the free spirit i love the free spirit over there again though their weather has quite a range they would definitely be in the top pick probably not a big surprise to most fans uh but you know it used to be you had to go to Amsterdam to smoke that ain't that ain't the reason anymore to go all the way to the fucking netherlands because you know, it ain't that way anymore. But it used to be you had to go all the way there and everyone knew it, you know, that was the place to go where smoking was legal. And what a crazy world that was. IMO, <laughs> in my opinion. <clears throat> um, but I, I think ultimately I would, I would have to look for a place that would be more beachy, more um, tropical um, without the humidity. And and, and so, out of the places that i've been man i don't really know i don't know i don't know where where that where that would
1: how nice is hawaii hawaii yeah
0: hawaii
1: would be good well that's that's well that's the united
0: states though yeah
1: (laughs) that's not it's
0: off the mainland but that probably doesn't count um so i don't you know that's a really good question and i would consider um, Amsterdam, and then I would probably also consider like the Canary Islands. Um, and uh, I don't know if I'd consider Jamaica, maybe
1: Jamaica would be bad. Maybe, I, yeah. I'm always paranoid about like hurricanes, that's what I get worried about if I was out on, yeah. you know, that kind of shit. You know,
0: definitely a worthy opponent,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of worthy opponents, Rob. Man, uh, it seems anybody you compete with with or against in AEW gets a world title shot. Uh, Swerve this week, uh, he earned a world title shot against Samoa Joe. Him and Hangman Page, there's going to be a triple threat match um, coming up at AEW Revolution, the same pay-per-view that Sting is having his last match on. Um, it's a triple threat. How do you feel about triple threat matches, Rob?
0: Um, I... Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: I feel like they're okay, I guess. I, I guess I don't like them as being in them as much as uh, a tag match because the story is just so different and it just seems like a lot of this spots get played out, you know the the triple dome of terror triple tower triple tower dome terror whatever the fuck you call it where you do the double power bomb out of the oh, that thing yeah it's like man it used to be cool but then i've seen it done a hundred times and then um it's 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 all right you know but it's usually like you know usually as the agenda uh i'm usually i don't have the spotlight on me the whole time A third of the time or so, I might be on the floor, you know, selling uh, while some other action is going on. And got to have my timing in there real quick to make a save or something. But I can't be standing on the apron like a tag match where I can see it. I got to not be looking at it and still be in there in time to make a save. And uh, that can be rough. So, um, you know, I don't hate them, you know, like a Battle Royal. Uh, Battle Royal is my least favorite match. Um, Then... Not only is a spotlight not on me, uh, because it's on a couple other people, it's on 18 other people or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And we're all, you know, doing whatever to look busy, but not my favorite art form. Um, that's that's my opinion. I think that uh, it's it's it can it can be intriguing and can be fun. It's not my least favorite match, but um overall i feel like if i'm put in a three-way triple threat match i feel like expect i feel like expectations are going to be high Mm -hmm. and then i automatically wonder like can we come up with stuff that's so different that it meets those expectations i don't know
1: um what where would you rank a fatal four-way in comparison to a triple threat? Is that a better match because you have a another quote-unquote like dance partner basically that you guys can kind of separate one another and work a, you know, almost a single style in a certain way? Where or, or how do you balance that out really?
0: I feel, I guess no. That uh-huh. way, would, I wouldn't think that's better. I think the further you get away from a singles match or a tag match, the less I... And the less I, as a performer, want to do it, you know, I feel like if I'm in a fatal four way, I'm, I'm gonna partner up with you. We're gonna take a walk through the crowd, you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah, off and go, go fight in the chairs and stuff, which is okay and fine. And if the audience likes it better, th- then cool. But you know, um, I, I, when it comes to being a 25% of. The match and what people are watching, or being—you uh, know—all uh, or at least half of what people are watching. I, I'd rather—I'd um, rather feel like my time is more invested, better um, when I can uh, tell uh, th- tell a story with the action here, the way everyone can understand it. So yeah, I think the further you get away from a singles or tag match, for me. For me, then I think the less I look forward to it. Even though, in the end, of course, we pull off some bangers, as the kids today the kids it. say today? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I like when – I think the stakes feel higher when it's like an elimination style, kind of like if you have a fatal four-way, that's elimination style. Then you yeah. get to the one-on-one aspect, and you can tell more of a story, and I think that's a lot more intriguing than just like, hey, somebody gets pinned and the match is over.
0: You know? True, true, Yeah could be
1: could be good yeah could be good so uh regards to swerve hi you worked with them obviously you had that great match in the main event match uh you see him he's such a popular star right now do you see him as a world title person somebody that could carry aew as a company
0: hmm. um Sure. I mean, I, I, mean, I look, I'm looking around the dressing room and I, I'm thinking, why not swerve? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a promoter. What, what do you want in a, in a champion swerve's a uh, great, great wrestler, great character, cool dude. Fans love him. He's going to give you good matches. Um, is he the most famous or well-known person on your roster? No, but obviously that's very seldomly the number one goal for any promoter, but it is a factor because you're, you you want to sell tickets. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, uh, if Sting was the heavyweight champion and there was a conversation about AEW anywhere and people didn't know what it was, If they were like who's a champion and they'd say sting they'd have a lot better chance of uh being like oh okay yeah you guys sound like uh you know wow you got sting yeah we got big show you know but obviously it's not about um the legends they they often are the ones that have more recognition because they've already been there um and they're still around uh but um, I don't know who's held the AEW belt, you know, and I'm sure not to talk down on anybody, but I'm sure it's probably been held by lesser wrestlers than than, than Swerve is. And uh, he's on a great path either way, you know. And I, I like what Bubba said. I saw a little clip of Bubba Dudley saying RVD moved Swerve forward because we had that kick-ass match. I thought it was great. I understood the assignment, came in to punish him, hardcore style, you know. He was able to turn the tables on me, and um, boom, that does move him forward, you know. How does it not? Um, not every match is going to be, be able to do that, even if he's able to have a good match w- with anybody. But then um, I, think, I think if he was champion that uh, the people would be – Behind him, I'd be pretty stoked.
1: Yeah, um, it's kind of neat too. This past week on Dynamite, he fought uh, Hangman Page to a time limit draw, and essentially it was basically a double turn where uh, Swerve basically turned babyface and Hangman was he, was he face a face. heel?
0: I didn't even know. He was
1: a heel? Like uh, yeah. fans were so into him though that he felt yeah. he was babyface. It was so a cool there was motivation heel. to get that. So. They finally they pulled the trigger I guess this past week and they both switched. They both switched. They did like a double turn where now was Hangman
0: Hang Page was Hangman Page uh, champion. W- he uh, was a- previously yes he was. So previous. yeah, so why not swear? You know, yeah, why the, not
1: swerve for yeah. sure? You know, um, and it's a well set up. Joe's been a great champion so far, so it'll be interesting to see how they kind of unfold that at, at Revolution coming up here. Shuma, Joe
0: could keep in and and still be a champion moving forward right that's oh yeah for sure that's always a, a, a high 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 possibility
1: and you could further tell a story between him and swerve specifically too if you'd like you know moving down the road so pretty interesting hey rob we got some new sponsors pretty cool stuff here one of them is factor guys What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. There's two-minute meals, fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat wherever you are. Snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian-approved to be nutritious and delicious. Save on that Grubhub. Uh, Factor is perfect solution for you. Looking for fast, upscale options done easily, F- flexible for your schedule? Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no me- no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Guys, if you want to do this and you want to help out the podcast, head to factormeals.com slash RVD50 and use code RVD50 to get 50% off that's code RVD 50 at factor slash RVD 50 to get 50% off. So do that and you'll help out the pod. We'll eat healthy. We'll get, Rob was talking about that workout regimen. You can get all yep. that implemented and uh, Hey, you'll feel good about yourself. So hey, there we go.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned it to Katie earlier when you told me about this new sponsor and she's excited. She said she wanted to try the, uh, Factor Foods.
1: Nice, nice. Okay. Do you, you got the form and everything that I sent you to fill out? Uh, no, I'll, I'll send it to you again. You just fill out a form and they'll they'll send you some stuff, Rob. So
0: did you email it to me? I did. I forwarded. Okay. I might have it. I haven't seen it.
1: You know. That's okay. Yeah, I can I can ping you again too. And yeah, they, they can send you some stuff. But yeah, I'm excited to get mine too and uh, try it out. I know my brother, I think Marcus tried it out. He likes it a lot. So
0: Cool. So by the way, you know, as far as that goes, when I eat, you know, for me, I, my main goal is um, to try to get 50 grams of protein. Okay. And, and I try to get zero sugar.
1: Now, Rob, is that a day 50? No, that's 50- per intake. Per intake, okay. Yeah. Okay. So,
0: for instance, if I have sugar-free protein, or once in a while, it might have one gram of, of which makes a big difference in the flavor. But I go for zero. Uh, but you know, I do eat uh, grapes and bananas, and and fruit has uh, sugar sugar in it, which, depending on how picky you want to be, it is it is still sugar. Um, and then some things that I get. You know, like I like peanut butter that, that might have two grams of sugar, and uh, to get the uh, eight grams of protein in it in a in a scoop. But um, so for me, it's, it's 50 grams uh, per intake, and I, I try to do that uh, six times a day. Sometimes I get in seven, and and that can be protein for me, like the protein I'm talking about. I dry scoop it, you know what I mean? I take it and then I put the water on my heart, gulp and it's 25 grams of protein per scoop. So two scoops is what? Boom, that's a meal. Yeah. Two scoops of protein, see in a few hours. And I, I alternate and then next time I'll eat food, you know? And uh, when I eat the food, I'm trying to get um, as close to 50 grams as I can. You know, sometimes, it, sometimes you know, if you eat a, uh, I don't know, you might grab a, a chicken breast sandwich and boom, it's only got 35 grams. Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes it is what it is. But if I'm home and have the option, then I might go ahead and take a, a spoonful or two of uh, some Greek yogurt and, and then boom, okay, now I, now I made it or something like that. But um, that's, I don't care about fat. I don't eat a lot of fat, yeah. but but it's not something that I even look at uh, anymore anymore. Um, I used to a long time ago when I first started looking at the labels and stuff, but now I look at the protein and I look at the sugar. Do you look at calories at all? No. No. I have no idea how many calories I get. Okay, okay. So you do it six times
1: a day, you say? Like you try? Yeah. To- so then
0: there's 300 grams of uh, protein. So that's I'll get up and uh, like uh, I'll usually I'm still fasting when I get up for a couple hours. I'll start drinking coffee, smoke a couple doobs, whatever. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> um, and then I might uh, break my fast with uh, protein powder or what I usually use is is cachava, which is like a meal replacement protein powder. The bad thing about that is that two scoops of that only has 25 grams of protein. Um, that's the only drawback, but it tastes great, and it's loaded, loaded with all kinds of other stuff. It does have some sugar in it, but that's because it has all these um, acai berries and all these fruits and um, uh, all these um, – um, what, what do you call it? The um, It's got a lot of good, good stuff in it anyway, and it's a whole meal – replacement it's called cachava the ads sold it on me and i get like four bags a month of it sent to me because because i eat it a lot of times i'll eat three or four scoops because i want the 50 grams of protein and sometimes i say well you know i got i got 20 i'll make them really big i got like 30 grams that's going to be okay Uh, and then i'll eat in a couple hours or something So that's how I usually wake up. If I don't have to be anywhere, uh, I'll wait a couple hours, drink some coffee, and then I'll take a few scoops of cachava. And then a couple hours after that, then I'll eat some actual food. and, And then, boom, guess what? If I have protein and then lunch, and then protein, and then dinner, I've done it six times. I might get another protein in before I go to bed. Then I got 350 grams of protein. And for me, that's like um, winning, you know what I mean, is between three. I try to get at least three. If I get 350, then it's been a really good protein intake for me. And especially like when I'm working out, then I try to get more If I, you know, if I didn't work out today because um, I just flew in from New York City and I'm tired or whatever, I don't give myself a hard time on the eating as much, you know. i will be like, yeah, you know, I don't need it. I didn't burn it.
1: Well, how about when you're on the road? How do you adjust your diet when you're like flying and you're traveling and doing all this other shit that you're not necessarily that stuff not's like immediate to you and you don't have.
0: Well like well like yesterday uh we uh, I, I brought my cachava. You know, I always bring protein with me, protein uh-huh. powder and uh protein um bars, you know. The protein bars that I eat are sugar free and they got 20 grams of uh, protein in it. So sometimes I'll eat two of those. That's a whole meal, 40 yeah. grams, close enough, you know. Um and that's usually pretty convenient. Uh, at this signing we were at in Queens, there's no room. It's so tight, there's not even room for us and the fans in there. And then this guy that's uh, got a restaurant brings us all this food, you know. Yeah, chicken parmesan. It's spaghetti. <laughs> some of this, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, we, we, we were walking down the block looking for something. And uh, Katie and I um, ended up putting our food Right there on the sidewalk, we put our food on like the top, uh, like a ledge on someone's wall of their yard, and, and stood there like it was at a bar, and we're eating. And I was like, man, she is such a down bitch. I think I love her a little more for that. So I was like, man, that's that's cool. You know, you know, you don't mind. She said, hey, we, you know, in the business, you got slurs, you gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, yeah,
1: find somebody that'll eat on a on a ledge with you. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, yeah, she's looking all fine, with her you know tight dress all done up for her for the signing. And then we're standing on the sidewalk with our styrofoam lunches on the bottom of the fence, you know, on somebody's uh, somebody's wall, <laughs> on, a, <laughs> on a uphill yard, and we're and you know people are walking by like, hey, yeah. hey, what's <laughs> happening, hey. <laughs>
1: yeah oh nothing like that huh well uh something else i wanted to cut rob did you happen to see the wrestlemania kickoff press conference or any clips of it by chance
0: yeah i saw um i saw just very little i saw a little clip i think i saw rock smack cody and then a cutoff so i don't know what he how he reacted or anything
1: yeah, yeah so it was like a pull apart basically after that oh, okay but what happened ended up going down is it's official for wrestlemania it's uh Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. Now, so they did. Oh, really? How, they, why they pivoted? Um, okay. the, the, I guess the blowback that they were kind of receiving was, um, you know, the because the one video kind of uh, taking that mantle got like the most dislikes ever for WWE on it. That video. is so
0: crazy to think that the fans could have possibly dictated a change in the main event for WrestleMania. You know, like I, <laughs> I got asked, I got interviewed um, at the. Uh, the um, signing uh-huh. in Queens yesterday and um, well, I guess we came home yesterday. So it was the night before, but they asked what I thought about that whole situation. And I, and I said that I agree with what I heard the rock say uh, on an interview. And he said, hashtag Cody crybabies. Cody baby. <laughs> I said, I agree. I mean, there to me, that is uh the fans hijacking the show and i'm as a as a performer i i've never been a fan of when the fans hijacked the show i feel like they're not complaining because boo you know because they heel one they're complaining because they think they could have wrote a better a better angle that could have draw, drawn more money than the people that are doing it that are running a billion-dollar company. So that's how I always look at it. And also it reminds me of when, uh, like when me and Jerry Lynn were in the ring one time about to uh, start a match, or maybe we'd run through a spot or two, but we're uh, early on, and uh, and the crowd starts. You know, there's a girl, hot girl, looked like, <laughs> up in the crowd, like, you know, you want to see it. You want to see it, and everyone's like, "Show your tits, show your tits," and that was going around at that time in uh, ECW. That's something that would happen a lot. But yeah. when, but, but when me and Jerry are in the ring working our asses off, it's very assaulting to us. Right. And so we just stop. You know what I mean? I went and sat up on the top rope in the corner and, and and just, you know, said, um, you know, let me, you know, wait, I'm going to wait till these guys are done. And then she uh, looked at me and she was like, pointed at me and she was like, should I, you know, and pointed at me and put it all on me. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, I got a really insecure, jealous wife. I'm like, I'm so if I said yes, oh my God, um, do it. <laughs> <laughs> I really did want to see them, but I, but I felt, you know, like uh, I felt like I would be somehow disrespecting my insecure, jealous uh, wife if I, you know, if I was like show your tits just because she'd give me hell anyway. You know yeah, I mean?
1: right. It, no matter what, it, yeah. Either way, I would get hell from her, yeah. yeah, it's a lose lose situation there. Right.
0: But- but but anyway, to my to the point that I'm making, it's just like uh, I'm in, I mean I'm I'm having a match, and during the match, if people start chanting "We want tables," that's very insulting to me. Unless I'm giving you tables, or unless I've built it to a way where I'm trying to get you to chant that, like maybe I if I flip the the, the skirt of the ring open, you know, Yeah. look underneath it, and look at the crowd, you know, and, hey, you guys, you guys, you know, you know, open it up or something, I'm asking you guys to chat We Want Tables. If, in my mind, I'm about to run through this technical spot in the ring, and I want everyone to pay attention to the to the split, drop down, leapfrog, fucking arm drag, head scissor, body scissor, fuck you scissor. Um, I don't want everyone going. We want tables through that. To me, that's the fans hijacking the show. And and from the from what I know about the Cody Crybabies, which isn't a whole lot, but I think I know enough to to uh, have an opinion on it. I feel like it's them hijacking the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, a certain way. I think um, I think the argument that people make is that uh, they've been setting up a story for Cody, like the story. To, yeah, for to finish the story for him and things like that. But I mean, there this story between The Rock and Roman Reigns has been going longer than the Cody angle, actually. If you think about it, because people have been talking about, hey, we, when are we going to see The Rock versus Roman Reigns? And that's been going on for years. So I mean. There's the argument oh, two that-, on that...
0: Two things on that. One, I, I, I love Cody, and he's a great baby face. I love um, the way people are behind him and stuff. Mm-hmm. Sorry, but he is not a bigger star than The Rock. Yeah. And, if, and if you're going to put you know the biggest star possible in your main event at WrestleMania, the biggest show all year, there's nobody bigger than The Rock. He's the biggest star in, in the industry. Um, second... You incorporate it anyway, and this is part of Cody's story. How about how about uh, how about before Cody makes it out to the ring? How about The Rock jumps up, comes out and jumps him, and then uh, he goes out and wrestles Roman Reigns anyway. You know, either way, you you incorporate all of it, and that is the story. Life is giving you the story,
1: right? Yeah, and like what you were saying too, people. Even if you don't give the fans what they want, people. That's good for Cody because it boosts him up even more, like moving on forward to it. And like, yeah, that's just part of the story that's going on. Now, what it seems like, Rob, is what they're doing is maybe night one, that people are speculating, and uh, WWE released a video too, where it's kind of leading to an indication that maybe night one of WrestleMania will have Roman Reigns tag with The Rock against Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes, and then night two will feature Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns for the title. That's kind of what people are thinking at the moment. So uh, there you go. Yeah. So that's how it is right there. Guys, we have another sponsor, too, and it was a new one from last week. It is Get Blitzed. Uh, It's THC-infused Nano Drink Aid, and it is Delta 9. I thought it was Delta 8 last week, but it's Delta 9, guys. Get that right. So, uh, But, yeah, uh, different flavors they have, a whole bunch of them, from uh, Key Lime Pie. I know that's Kevin Nash's favorite. And then they also have Cherry. They have uh, Pina Colada. Oh, man. Like that song, and then the Blue Raz, and then Tiger's Blood. So, check them all out there. If you go to get blitz.com, use promo code RVD, That's simple RVD, to get 15% off. Um,
0: How do you spell that?
1: I think it's R and then a V, and then, and then, they, they, and then they mail
0: them to you, huh? And then the they drinks? mail
1: them to you. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm still waiting on mine. Like I think, though, Rob, I think my cat stole them. So, hmm. But I can't wait to try it when I get those, <laughs> when I do get them. So, um, but yeah, uh, all you need, too, is a, uh, what Mickey Ray Sinatra and his uh, fiance Courtney, were talking about. You only need a teaspoon of it. And then you just sip on it. And hey, it only, it kicks in about 15, five to 15 minutes. Uh, so pretty cool stuff. Uh, I'm excited to try it once I get it. And uh, yeah, you guys, too. use it. get-blitz.com, promo code RVD. So check that out, guys. Check it out um cool rob we're gonna keep this one a little shorter this week because uh we're double timing it this week but uh i did want to get your thoughts on this uh did you hear about mick foley saying he wanted one last match actually yes i
0: i I saw something i think i saw the headline yeah something like that and heard heard a little inside chatter on it yeah
1: Oh, okay. Well, so here's the quote, and he said this on his last episode of Foley's Pod, is podcast. Uh, him and Conrad wrapped up their show, and he said, "60 is right around the corner. Thinking of doing one final match for my 60th birthday, a death match." And he says, "I'm not kidding. I think it would be a great incentive to drop those 100 big ones, and I think I, it might be fun." And so there's yeah. a lot of speculation of who he might be facing, from like Matt Cardona to some other people too, and. Um, very interesting uh, man, Rob, uh, what a send off he would have at 60 years old. It's been forever since Foley's wrestled. So pretty interesting to kind of think about.
0: Yeah. You know, when, when I saw that, I thought um, my first thought was, dude, that should be, that should be me. Yeah. That would be, that'd be a huge draw because we have never wrestled each other and we're both, you know, Kings of hardcore. Okay. So um, there was a time. There was a time, I believe, when our paths were about to cross and one of us was chicken shit. <gasps> Unless he's watching this, then no offense. <laughs> <laughs> if he's watching, I'm, I'm just joking. If he's not watching, the, uh, if you remember uh, in uh, TNA, the first run when I was there, um, and Hogan and Bischoff were the heels, and I was working against them. Abyss was representing them, and Hogan was, for some reason, with Abyss out at ringside. That was the night that I busted Abyss's teeth oh, bam, oh. in his mouth. <sighs> During all that time, Abyss kept doing all these promos about they. Do you remember that? They, oh, yeah, they was the subject. Of what he was talking about, and they was whoever was giving him orders. You know, mm-hmm. they told me to do it. They and they and it was always like, you know, they were always building up well, who is they, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So a little birdie told me that the idea, or one idea anyway, if not if not the original idea, was that they was going to end up being Mick Foley and it was going to set up for a match between RVD and Mick Foley. And um, I was told that one of us didn't want to do that match. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that might have been right after I busted – Abysses teeth, teeth out. <laughs> wow, well, honestly, it could have been because I got the impression that that was why. Was that I was known to be stiff? But I don't know. Right now, that doesn't seem. I mean, he wrestled Vader. You oh know? yeah,
1: he's wrestled some real stiff guys.
0: I don't know, but mm. for whatever reason. I was told that he that he turned it down, and then I don't know if they ever did disclose who they was.
1: Yeah, I don't, I can't remember, but I do remember Abyss saying that actually. So, yeah, wow, pretty pretty intriguing. Well, guys, if you would like to see RVD face fully, may, may get the word out a little bit. I think that would be a hell of a last match um, to throw down, man. Yeah, it's so weird because. You're synonymous with ECW, and Foley was really synonymous with ECW in a lot of ways. So it's pretty crazy to think that you guys never even fucking crossed paths in the
0: match. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't say we never crossed paths. You know? yeah. No, I guess, but we did in, 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 well, the only time I can think of really is in, like, a Battle Royal at an indie show in Georgia, Peach State Wrestling, when I was the Cordial City Champion. Oh, shit. Uh, it was a Battle Royal and man, uh, Mick Foley was in it. Raven was in it. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure Van Hammer was in it.
1: Van Hammer, nice.
0: Maybe Steiner. <laughs> there was a <laughs> lot of stars in this fucking uh, disco inferno. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, there was a lot of stars in this uh, battle royal, and, I, and that that might be the only time that I that I've actually been in the ring. Uh, if we were even in the ring at the same time, but I think we were. It was a battle royal, not royal rumble, you know? Damn. Yeah. We were all in the ring at the same time, but Tony Atlas might or might not have been in that one, but, um, but yeah, that match has just never happened, and um, obviously, dude, but why, while we're talking about it, little, this is very relevant, um, when I was in WWE, and i won well first before even before i got to wwe like when i started watching the product before i got there i was a little insulted by the hardcore championship because right. i felt like they were kind of making fun of ecw right, right. And, and 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 so you know no offense to to crash but he would do things to make them laugh you know they would fight in the 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 pit of balls, you know, for the kids to yeah. play in, and knock the taco cart over, and fight at weird places. And when I won the uh, WWE Hardcore Championship, I was Rob Van Dam. Just mm-hmm. just kept being me, and and uh, and having great fucking matches, and I loved it because it was just like being an ECW almost, you know, eighty percent maybe 85 percent like being in ecw with the difference of having a time limit and a little bit more structure at least in the expectations you couldn't you know go go down the hallway well anyway um people were loving the matches pretty soon i'm main eventing house shows what they called uh live action shows that what they call them live Something.
1: events now they call them yeah live
0: lot events yeah but um with the hardcore championship i'm main eventing because they had at one time a b and c shows they had so much talent spread out with the invasion and, and this influx of talent from wcw and ecw and so i would be main eventing and that was not the plan for the hardcore championship they didn't want it to mean that much and i was making it mean a lot just like When I was in ECW, I made the TV championship mean as much as the heavyweight championship in ECW. And it was my goal to keep doing that and to build those up separately. And then one day, of course, wrestle. And I was hoping it would be Mike Austin, the ECW heavyweight champion as the television champion which would have had just as much momentum or more It held just as much weight prospectively. I was doing that with the hardcore title. If if, if anybody doesn't know my perspective on it, that's what I was doing and I was fucking loving it. And then it meant too much. So that wasn't their plan. So what do they do? They retire it. They retire the fucking championship while I'm wearing it, while I'm having these kick-ass matches. Me and Tommy Dreamer had a match, I think, to retire it. And I, if I remember right. But it was also unifying it with the Yeah, unify it with in, the
1: Intercontinental. It was with the Intercontinental.
0: And in the anyway. Did they give me the hardcore title? Do I get do I have that hanging in my Rob Van Dam room of outstanding fucking accomplishments and memorabilia. No. You know who has that hardcore championship? Is it Mick? Mick Foley.
1: Well, how about that?
0: They gave it to him for whatever he did with it before I got there. So in deep inside there's a little bit of resentment on my behalf. I resent, man, but I would like to have it. You would like
1: to have it, and Rob, <laughs> I mean, you fucking retired it. I so. resent, man.
0: Jealousy, maybe.
1: Well, I mean, hey, let's uh, let's get that belt a little out there again. Let's uh, see what happens. See what happens, guys.
0: Fun story. Speaking of fun stories, mm-hmm. uh, there's a couple of things I wrote down that I wanted to. Oh uh, yeah, by all means. It, and I was going to tell you to ask me about them, but instead. Um, um so one of them was uh one of them was um when uh when sabu and i and judge and dango were all in uswa in 1991 Mm -hmm. the summer of 91 we were brand new in the business you know we were babies 20 years old, not even old enough to drink. One night in Nashville at the Congress Inn, a wrestler named Brickhouse Brown came to our room, and he sat down on the bed, and he said, "Gather around, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna smarten you guys up to this industry that you guys are getting into. I'm gonna tell you what you're really doing, you know." And he said, "You know, you got a lot of talent. You guys have a good chance to you know really make it far. Uh, you, you know, you need to know this." And he proceeded to tell us a story about him being in an elevator in WWE with Pat. Patterson, and he said, um, I, um, well, he went on to, to, to specifically, because I, I watched an interview with Brickhouse Brown and the words that he used were what stood out to me for a reason. Because he said that Pat said to him, you can make a lot of money here, kid. And then he said that on the elevator that Pat, I think Pat hit the button to stop the elevator and said, you know, depends on uh, what decisions that you make and how far you want to go and how important it is to you. And then he started undoing Brickhouse Brown's belt on his pants. Brickhouse, Brickhouse grabbed his pants, said something defensive, like, fuck no, I don't do that. Opened the door and ran out. You know, he said he fucking ran. And uh, boom, lo and behold, he was uh let go afterwards, right? And so, anyway, because Brown uh was telling us this story, and he was telling us about uh Mel Phillips, about the uh, ring announcer who was uh molesting um the, the ring voice. boys, yeah. yes, sir. And he was telling us about the uh steroids, and he was telling us. Uh, about uh, terry garvin and 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 throughout my whole career like i always reflect back on that you know like i hadn't seen him in forever this is 91 mm-hmm. but i always think like man i wonder why he took that upon himself to smarten the four of us up take his time anyway it was pretty impactful on us in fact i remember afterwards I went to uh, uh, I told my mom about this, you know, what I mean, oh, that's wow, yeah. how young I was. And, and after USWA dried up, um, I ended up going to South Atlantic uh, Pro Wrestling in Charlotte. And there was a couple of guys that were really nice. I was only there for a very short time, but a couple of, there was a wrestler house, right? Mm-hmm. A couple of guys, uh, Tommy Angel and uh, Gino, Jeff Husker. Um To, I'm blanking on the other name, but I do pretty good, so I'm gonna get myself. Yeah, a break.
1: that's pretty
0: impressive, all nonetheless, Rob. Uh, <laughs> these guys said, you know, we had a roommate in our house that just moved out, Rob. If you, you know, if you want, you know, you can. We uh, got an extra. Or, or whatever. And, and so, you know, I told my mom that on the phone and she was worried because what I told her about Brickhouse Brown. yeah, And she was like, they're not gay, are they? And, uh, <laughs> and, and I remember like after I talked to her when I was at the arena, I was so young, I repeated that to Tommy Angel. Like I was in the bathroom and he said, Hey, did you give any thought to that about, you know, if you're going to want to take that, that uh, RX extra room or not or whatever. And I was like, you guys aren't gay are you and and i was like i was half joking you know but Uh then afterwards looking back at it i was like man that was really like a mean thing for me to and it didn't matter if they were gay but you know that was like that was just what my mom had said based on the story of of the gay wrestlers that were using their authority you know to uh to manipulate people's careers so it's not about the gay part but that's just the way it was worded but I always look back at that and it was like man those guys are really cool to me that what an asshole thing to say to them but I was just really young and like I said halfway joking I don't even know how to wash dishes I was so young didn't know you know they were like Rob can you help out a little bit and I was like um I'm gonna move out and uh <laughs> but, um but anyway that always stuck in my mind a couple of years ago a cauliflower alley club uh, we got to meet Brickhouse Brown mm-hmm. right before he, shortly before he died. And, you know, he was he was blind and uh, sick. And he asked me, do I remember that time that he sat? Remember that baby? Yeah. She knows. She was there with oh. me. Do I remember that? And I'm like, you remember? Why the fuck would you remember that? You've seen pictures of me. When I started out, I had the short blonde hair, the the blue trunks. That wasn't Rob Van Dam. I didn't think he would even remember I was that same kid. Why yeah. the woody would he, you know? But he was like, do you remember that time you guys came through Nashville? And he said, I sat you guys down, and then I, I told you all this stuff. And then it, he goes, it all came out, didn't it? It all came out later. And I was like, yeah, you know, you're, yeah, you know? And, I mean, we didn't doubt you. We knew you were shooting us straight. Um, the reason that those words were so relevant recently—that when I re-listened to his interview, um, th- th- when I got to WWE in 2001, you know, Pat Patterson was working there. He had been rehired. They were—he was keeping himself, you know, behaving. A lot of the popular wrestlers really liked him. Said what a good guy he was. Got along with them first-hand experience, you know, nothing was going, happening to me, so it was weird to think back about these crimes that are alleged and and to think about how could anybody be okay with associating with these people, but sometimes it's just like it is what it is, you know, and sometimes you can't control everybody that's in the room, and um, anyway... I remember one time in Pittsburgh, I was at the Mellon Arena.
1: Yeah, home of the Penguins.
0: Yes, one. sir. I was uh, at the urinal taking a piss. And who walks in behind me Pat Patterson? Yeah. You know what he says to me?
1: Oh, he d- didn't he say the same thing he said to Brickhouse? Wow.
0: Kid, you're going to make a lot of money here. You're going to make a lot of money here, kid. And I said, if you say so. And he said, uh, well, wait a minute. What? I don't like the sound of that. I said, yeah, I don't either. And he said, you're, well, you're tell- what you're telling me right now is that you don't believe in yourself. I said, no, I believe in me. I just don't know if I believe that they're going to pay me a lot and that I'm going to get a lot of money here. You know. And I was pr- particularly pissed because I had just gotten like my first check shortly before that uh and i got uh, uh my first house show was in atlanta with johnny um um what's that what's johnny Stampinato not johnny stoppinado that's a mobster that was, that, was, <laughs> was, uh, anyway, the, <laughs> that was johnny stoppinado was anyway with Stampanato. him. johnny bull johnny the bull
1: oh johnny the bull stamboli okay
0: Stamboli, not nada That's why I went there. Um, Atlanta, house show, WWE, Donnie mm-hmm. the Bull. And my, my money was $500. And I mean, you know, I don't like to talk about money a lot. But throw another zero on that. I was getting that before I went to WWE. Wow. So this is what I'm getting now, you know. And uh, anyway... Things got a little better with the money, but the point was just when I heard uh, those words recently of Rick House Brown saying, you know, I think he said that it was almost the same. I think he said, you know, uh, you can make a lot of money here, kid. And I think to me, he said, you're going to make a lot of money here, kid. You're going to make a lot of money here, kid. But anyway, that was him halfway going through his fucking uh, moves, and he just had to put the brakes on where – where he was putting the brakes on at that time of his career, you know?
1: Wow, yeah. That's crazy right. to think, too. Because I remember you telling this story because it was like you were talking about like Steve Austin strapping a rocket on your back and all that yeah. stuff. And then you told that story, and I remember you saying those words, too. And when he said that to Brickhouse, I was like, wait, didn't he say that to Rob, too, earlier? <laughs> so that's yeah. crazy.
0: Something else. Something else that that reverberates... A little bit in my brain um is when when um, i did the interview with sean oliver the you shoot a long time ago yeah he had, he had some a pick a hand segment you know where he went through a big list of wrestlers did you ever have to ask this guy to pick a hand did you ever have to ask this guy and i'm being unfiltered and genuine like i always am you know, I told stuff that nobody knows about, like, well, I did think about it with this guy, you know, but it didn't quite get there. And there was a few of those. And, and you know, one of them was Vince. Um, but I did sit outside his office waiting on him and I was going to ask him to pick a hand. And uh, Paul Heyman talked me out of it. But I was there for it seems like 45 minutes at least, like a long, long time. Um, and I was I was I was upset. And it was about going to the, um, uh, Qatar, you know, about going over to, for the, yeah, with the military. For the it mm-hmm. was, and, and yeah, anyway, uh, when I was reading the comments, you know, somebody was saying something, you know, about, Oh, she was like, Rob wants to, wants to beat up a lot of old men all the time, like a hothead. He seems like he'd be a dick or you know, something like that. <laughs> I was like first off Vince back then was like maybe my age now, as far as that goes. But, um, besides that, um, What it was about, and I've said this, and you've probably heard me say this, I've said this every single time when it got down to it, when I get that far to talking about when I was waiting to ask him and I was literally, I thought that's what it was going to take for him to understand that he didn't have that power over me as a person. I'm not going, Vince. I'm not going to go. I appreciate that, Rob but you're going to see this is going to be a great experience for you. That offended me so much that I thought this guy thinks he owns me, like I'm his property, like he can control me to that extent. And I think I'm going to have to smack him in order for him to understand that I don't feel that way. He doesn't control me and I'm willing to accept any consequences. And that just comes to the front of my brain with all the stuff that's going on now and to think about, how somebody could possibly have that much of a, of a hunger for power and dominance over people. And, and like I said, I think last week, there's, there's like a whole culture of world elitists that, that view certain people as subhuman or beneath them, you know, and, and use people for experimentation or for, or for a hunting game you know um whatever stuff like that and i just feel like that's all like this rolls right into that same atmosphere
1: yeah it's pretty crazy to kind of think about all that stuff and um yeah everything that you're kind of hearing when it comes to like the the allegations and everything like that and then you kind of look at the past and see like you make those kind of connections and it's pretty wild to to kind of think about all that and like yeah. Uh, and, you know, people yep. in power and that have a lot of money and everything like that, it's, they don't think a lot of the way that uh, other people do. <laughs> That's why they're up there. They, they get to that level sometimes.
0: So, That's true. Mm-hmm. That is true. And, and I'm not, I'm not convicting him yet, you know, but sure, also yeah. still valid either way. And like I said before, even if, from reading, and I read the whole 67 page. Um, did you? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. And even if that was so I'm still very disturbed. So that's my opinion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, um, yeah, Rob, did you have an RVDology this week? I do.
0: Okay. Cool. Did you go through all the super chats? Oh,
1: thank you. Geez. Uh, there's there was actually a couple. New super chats here. Yeah, let me get to those. So, thank you for reminding. Me. Ryan Brown nine ninety nine. Thank you. He says, "Rob, huge fan. What was Raven like to be around outside of an ECW ring? I heard he is a legit genius. His promos were great. I would love to meet him. Sadly, New Jack, I can't meet New Jack. So what is was that him? last part?
0: Oh, Who sadly, it, I New can't Jack. Hmm. You know, that's funny. I, I, I think I remember hearing something about that way back then in like 96 that that he was supposed to be a genius. Um, I don't know if there's anything to that, but what's funny is until recently, well, when I say recently, let's say the last, maybe let's say it, it's, Probably like six, seven years ago, we like. I feel like we know each other a little bit more now. But it used to, you know, like a little, maybe like pre-COVID, um, it, before that, I would only see him every once in a while, like at a convention or something. And, and and shortly into the conversation, he would always say the same thing. He would always say, "I I forget how smart you are." And that's what he would tell me. Oh really? What's that? <laughs> what? Uh anyway, he would he'd always say, I forget how smart you are until until you start talking and I uh, and I and I and I hear your vocabulary, and then I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. Uh everybody's really intelligent. And he's like, You know what I mean? Just cause I just think of you you know, like being, yeah, dude, like a stoner and and I forget always till I start talking to you. And I'm always like, That's what you tell me every time, Scotty. <laughs> <It> Remember <really laughs> that last time, uh, you know, when we were in uh fucking Brazil? No, I've never been to Brazil. I don't know where that place is. I'm trying to think of, uh, but anyway, um, he's uh, he's funny. He jokes a lot. He always tries to make me laugh because that's our relationship. I usually, if I have something funny to say, I try to make him laugh. So we don't. Our relationship isn't very uh, very serious at all. It's very very silly and goofy. Um, and that's that's the Raven that I know outside of, uh, but he's always been that way. You know? Yeah. One thing I remember way back in uh, ECW in 96, 97, we were in Boston and we used to stay at this hotel that was right before, the, the to get to the hotel was right before a, um, a roundabout. A roundabout, or, yeah, yeah. Whatever they call it in Boston, yeah. And uh, so if you passed it, then you had to go all the way around. And uh, I was in the car in a van with him for some reason and uh, Sandman and whoever else was in the car, we were all riding back to the hotel and whoever was driving kept passing the hotel and, and going around and we were doing circles and Raven every time kept saying, um, what was he saying? Um, I, I, see, I see Big Ben, maybe there's a clock there. Now that I think about it, maybe he nicknamed uh, something Big Ben, maybe there's a clock there that I don't remember. I never really tried to make sense of it right now, you know, but um, so look, he kept saying, I see London, I see France. I said, hey, look, everyone, Big Ben. I think it's a line from Vacation.
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> hey, yes.
0: Yeah. Hey, look, everyone, Big Ben. That's what he was saying. Something something to that effect. But anyway, yeah, uh, we have a, uh, even if I haven't seen you in two years, if I see you, I'm going to come up and and say, like, uh, hey, remember that one time, uh that one time you ran out of toilet paper and asked for a roll, whatever you know, it's just it's just stupid, silly, and uh, um, you know I, I like him on that. I forget how much older he is than us, but he's like uh, like older than us. How old is he? Do you know?
1: Let me look it up.
0: Yeah. Let me see here. Okay. Right. Like another generation ahead of us, so yeah. that's why everyone thought he was a genius because he's able to talk like a grown up when everyone else was twenty years old.
1: All right, he's fifty nine, Rob.
0: Okay.
1: 59 years old. Yeah. He's, uh, do you ever, do you remember seeing him win Ben Stein's money on that game show? No. Okay. He was on that game show, win Ben Stein's money. And he did, he was, he definitely should flex his, uh, his IQ on that one for sure. But I remember
0: seeing him before I went to a live wrestling show when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. maybe 15 ish or whatever, 16. And, um, the news had a a special on pro wrestling because they were coming to the Kellogg center, but they showed Larry, Larry Sharp's monster factory in New Jersey.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's, I saw Bam Bam Bigelow there as a student, you know, I was like, Whoa, cool. He's an up and coming wrestler. And I also saw Scotty, the body. And that was, uh, that was him.
1: How's about that? How's about that?
0: Quote the Raven. Nevermore
1: yeah yeah he was pretty neat back in the i only knew him from wcw when i was a kid and then later on i learned that oh he's from ecw and so uh yeah he got a, he got a very neat persona back then and stuff so now he's wrestling in mlw he, he did not wrestling but he's a he's a persona there
0: so oh okay cool yeah. i didn't know that mm-hmm. yeah yeah the ecw fans loved him and i didn't understand grunge or any of that 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 was all being introduced to me for the very first time right there when I came to ECW, seeing him and his type—let <laughs> 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 me just put it that way—his flock of people, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and like early on, somehow we would end up going to nightclubs together. Like, like I don't know why. I guess he lived there or knew the local scene. Pitbull Anthony maybe worked at this club or something, and like. I remember them taking us out and just seeing like all these people and hearing this music for the first time. It was like really uh, mind opening for me.
1: Yeah. Fucking, uh, geez, why can't I think of that band's name? Oh, uh, you know, me too. The- I know
0: what you mean. The guy killed himself.
1: Oh, Nirvana, Kurt Cobain. Okay, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: And then uh, right. yep.
1: Pearl Jam. Gem. Pearl Jam's the other one that they, they always talk about too. Um. Stephen White just donated a dollar, so thank you, Stephen. Appreciate that. All right, no comment, no nothing. But thank you for cool. for your donation. Take uh, you yeah, marsh thirty-two X five dollars. Thank you. First time I saw wrestling live was at the Mid Hudson Civic Center with Sabu and RVD as a tag team champions. Any thoughts on the Poughkeepsie area?
0: Rob? You know, I love synchronicity. Oh. <laughs> I'd say. Two hours ago, I was reading an email about somebody that wanted to book me at a comedy club in Poughkeepsie. Laugh, laugh out loud, or something like that. Um, you know, I kind of skimmed through it. I don't, but the name of the club is something. Laugh, ha, laugh out loud, or laugh something. And anyway, um, it came through. There's a contact at robvanam.com. That not everyone knows about that they can use um, and I went like half a year without looking at it uh, and so recently I got that created a job for somebody go through that dude look at all those offers that have been sent there you know for the last six months yeah. and see if there's anything worth it you know and uh, and a couple of things have come out of it you know and most of them are interview requests um, but they're woo. Which I did a few of those, yeah, and then and then, uh, but there's a couple of it sound like bookings, and this this one, you know, for me to travel and do stand up, the guy's probably not gonna, it probably isn't gonna work out unless I'm already in the area or something because um, I'm not gonna get paid to do stand up the same that I would get paid to wrestle or even to sign autographs, and that's what it takes to get me there, so. That's why I would take a combo booking, you know, like maybe if you had a promoter that wanted to book me to do a signing in the day, you know, then someone that can have a way of getting their money back that they got to pay me and then book this on top of it. Cool. That could work out and be fun. But otherwise, that's, you know, it's it's not worth it for for my me and my time to to go somewhere and do that. So that's the situation.
1: Make the trip and all that
0: stuff. but anyway besides that i think of the match with jerry lynn when he busted his face open on the floor Mm -hmm. when i kicked him off the top rope and on his way down his his hands pushed the mat away bam and something else about poughkeepsie mid-hudson civic center i have been told that i'm wrong about this but that's where i remember sandman coming out to the ring completely naked I've been been told it wasn't the KFC, but in my mind, that's that's how I remember. uh, That's how I remember it It was when he was so drunk one time. It was like a six man or eight man or something, and he came back in the dressing room to get more beer because he was out of beer, and decided to drop his underwear and did some stuff that wouldn't be approved of. Grabbed someone's brush and was. Brushing his pubes because he thought it was funny. Was like, oh, Dude, shit. bro, you're drunk. <laughs> you're
1: just hammered and butt-ass naked. <laughs> yeah.
0: Completely naked. Took his underwear, went back out to the ring.
1: So Rob, I'm looking here, and I you can't hold me to this, but it's I'm at wrestlingrecaps.com, uh, June 3rd t- the year 2000. Apparently, this took place in uh, not Poughkeepsie, but Pensacola, Florida. And he was uh, the main event was Steve Carino, Jack Victory, Rhino, and Scotty Anton versus Sandman, Raven, Tommy Dreamer, Tajiri. It says Sandman is drunker than usual as he's usually going all over the place, stumbling around. He suggests that screw the match and goes to a bar down the street. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets naked at the bar. Sandman decides to take his pants off and reveal his penis to everyone. Dreamer tries to stop that but fails. Instead, Dreamer pushes Sandman down with his pants around his ankles. This is just a joke. Sami man leaves the ring and his friends fall to go after the heels and finally start fighting.
0: Huh. You know, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but it's possible this could be two different incidents.
1: I mean, if you get naked once, it's likely you're probably going to get naked again. <laughs> you know? Because so, I remember
0: him coming into the dressing room with underwear on and him pulling it down in the dressing room, not in a bar down the street. But anyway yeah um that was sad man well Fun he's got time. a new podcast
1: uh, i think it's called the same man show and it's on the mm-hmm. uh, ad free show so maybe he can <laughs> read wow that are story. you serious
0: yeah he does That's, wow okay uh-huh. uh by the way uh sabu asked when uh, we're gonna do each other's podcast so i said real soon so maybe maybe next week i'll get him on here and uh vice versa
1: hell yeah dude i'd be game for that no doubt about it that'd be awesome so Stephen Wright, White, not Stephen Wright, the comedian, Stephen White actually did donate another $5 for a question. It said, Rob, who was the stiffest and tried hurting you the most when you were in Japan in your early years? Rob, you talked about this a couple Yeah, times. I think
0: I've talked about this uh, um, often, but it was Kawada. Mm-hmm. Kawada was the guy. I saw him uh last year at Wrestlecade or Starcade, whatever
1: it was Starcade.
0: Yeah. It was it was awesome to see him uh after I mean twenty five years probably since I've seen him. And uh anyway, Kawato used to kick the shit out of me. (laughs) Um I'm just thinking of you know how which i feel like i've told this story like a few times but you know like what he did was he taught me to respect the business because here i am in japan uh 20 CS i started 93 i'm 22 years old and uh first off i'm wearing a black belt you know of uh that ron slinker gave me um and i'm using it to tie what i think looks really cool if you see this old footage it's like a Japanese kimono, but it's called yeah. a happy. It's a happy coat because it's shorter, and it looks to me like a karate gi with a dragon on it, made of silk, badass. But to the Japanese, it's something they like put on when they get out of the bath. So they probably thought that I was an idiot already, <laughs> and, then, and there I am wrestling barefoot with the black belt. And then when I would wrestle Kawada, because he was older and much more experienced. Um, I think didn't he have some kind of Olympic experience? That's um,
1: interesting. Let me look that up.
0: Well, yeah, I know Honda did. Honda was, uh, um, but uh, anyway, he he would kick the shit out of me, and he got to a point where and he wouldn't sell my stuff if my because my stuff, looking back at it, was light. It was like I got trained really stiff, and then when I started the show working the indie shows and stuff, I got taught to lighten up a lot by al snow and his partner mike kelly a lot of the guys didn't want to work with us because we were so fucking stiff it was like half shoot with us or more (laughs) and and then in japan i i I was using what al snow and mike kelly wanted and doing these little taps that i would do on the chest tap 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 and kawada would just kick the shit out of me and (laughs) and i i started thinking personal because i was getting better getting more experience getting older, and one time I was in a six-man match, and uh, Terry Gordy and Steve Williams were my partners, and um, I was out there with Kawada in the ring, and he kicked me in the back of the head. I went down to my head like an enziguri or something. I went down to my hands and knees, and he gave me a football kick in the face.
1: Jeez.
0: Yeah, and uh, right away, Doc and Gordy hit the ring. He powdered. They, knocked, they chased Misawa and whoever else off the corner and they came over to me and they were like are you all right I said yeah I'm fine and they said when he comes back in kick him as hard as you fucking can (laughs) that's what Doc said yeah and that's what I did and after that I used to kick him so hard every chance I would get until finally I reached a point where Kawada was actually like tonight Take it easy. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And, uh, and and looking back at it, he taught me to respect the business. When I was doing these little light ass kicks, if he would have sold them, that would have made the business look bad. It would have made him look weak. And, and and man, they kicked the shit out of each other too. So that was the style. And he taught me to really step it up. And that became, you know, what, what was my style that I always used afterwards, Kawada was the guy that was really um, one of the main influences in me uh, laying my shit in.
1: Well, when it comes to Dr. Death and uh, Terry Gordy, when they were saying, kick him as hard as you can, do you think they were thinking that, too, that you were not – that that's what Kawada was doing? Like he was kind of teaching you? Or they were like, that asshole, get him back. That one. Okay, more like that. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's interesting. That's uh, that's fucking crazy though, Rob. It's pretty neat though, because like to what you're saying, you fucking kick him as hard as you can and yeah. boom, you earn that respect. And sure enough, that I think mean, maybe
0: when he came in, I went to do it and he just tagged out. I think yeah. that's what happened, you know. But yeah. I just take the shit out of him from now on, you know.
1: <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah. I and always yeah. liked
0: it. I always liked it stiff anyway, you know, but yeah. I mm-hmm. but that then I understood, you know, like I'm disrespecting the business throwing this. I used to bend someone's arm. Mm-hmm. You know, I twist the wrist and I put my, my leg over there. The leg go pop, 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 pop. Yeah. And I kick him, kick him like, a, like a little a pepper kick is what yeah. it was called. And I'd hop on my one foot, pop, pop. And I never thought of it as being light or weak or whatever. But he made me think of it that way because he wouldn't okay. sell it. And I was like, all right, well, fuck it then. I'm going to lay it in. <laughs> and you know that's what he wanted.
1: Yeah. Well, there we go. Yeah, it was pretty neat seeing you guys uh, reunite uh, at StarCast. That was pretty cool.
0: That was awesome for me. Pretty cool. Because I was like, I'll kick your ass now, (laughs) boy. But he did look good, though, man. Yeah, he
1: did. He looked really good. (laughs) Rob, you're known for your five-star frog splash, but some people don't get the star ratings they actually want in the bedroom. So no better time to bring this up. Hey, this episode is brought to you by Blue Chew. Let's talk about sex. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up, BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive a prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Does it work? Don't you think you need it? Try it for free for a month and see. You're going to love it. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it and do it baby. And we're got a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free. F R E E. When you use our promo card, guess promo code, guess what it is? Guess what? It's RVD. That's right. Promo code, code RVD at checkout. You just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code RVD to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Chew for sponsoring the podcast. One of a kind, baby. We did get another super chat, too. Unsweet tease says, thank you for the $5. He says, I remember Rene Dupree telling the story of setting off the hotel alarm talking with you. I remember you telling that story, too, Rob. He said, who are the best smoking buddies and biggest lightweights when it comes to smoking?
0: Hmm. Well, um... Booker T and I were road wives for a long time in WWE. Uh, for a while, Nick Patrick was with us because oh. they were bros um, before, Booker and uh, Nick from WCW. Um, but I guess Nick must have dropped off. Maybe they let him go or something. And and uh, Book and I really both enjoyed smoking, like, you know, on the whole trip. And, and we had a great relationship. Because neither one of us kept count on who owes what who. Yeah. And that, that included smoking, you know what I mean? Like, we'd, I'll roll a joint, you roll a joint, whatever, you know, or didn't matter, you know, if I rolled last time, you know, another one, we would smoke each other's shit. And, and it was also cool um, because that's how we treated the bills, the dinner bills, too. When we go to, the, you know, eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever on the road, you know, fucking, uh, hey, I got it, you know, boom. I'd grab it, he'd grab the next one, you know, but if you grab two in a row, it wouldn't be, you know, like it, nobody would be keeping Amen. track. If I grabbed a couple in of, or, or if I paid at the Japanese restaurant, it was $200 and you're paying at Subway and it's $14. That ain't fair. We didn't, you know, we didn't give a shit. It was more just like family. It is what it is, you know, and we're, we're both doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, we were uh, we were so close that uh, um, I actually um, at one point when I was negotiating with Johnny Ace to to resign, um, I actually asked Booker like what he made, you know, which is a question that I don't think I think that's one of the most personal questions you can ask somebody, um, and 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 I don't I, I don't I can't think of anybody other wrestler. You know, but some of them are real open about it. But then I think they're full of shit when they're in the dressing room and they're saying, "Hell yeah! Well, I was making such and such a year, you know, here." And then now I'm making this, you know. And then it's like, "Whoa, he's making how much? Like that ain't fair." But At the same time, he's probably full of shit. But but anyway, but I used, but I went back to Johnny Ace and told him that you know, because it, it was you know, it was like comparable to what I was making, and I was looking to get a bump up. And then I was like, uh, Booker says he's getting this, you know, white, you know, and we're, we're a tag team or whatever. And, you know, I think, uh, I guess that was a time when I did resign, but we were really close anyway. And so he was my favorite to smoke with. Also Sabu, of course. Um, heavyweights, is that what it said? He
1: said lightweight. So who was a lightweight uh, to smoke with? Well, it? yeah,
0: besides, besides, uh, besides Renee, um hmm, I'm trying to think of uh, someone in the wrestling business that that smoked and maybe couldn't handle it too well. Maybe shouldn't have. Uh, Yeah, you know what? Nobody really comes to mind. I mean, people that that, that knew they didn't want to get super stoned usually just wouldn't smoke that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Back in the ECW days, we would always gather somewhere outside – uh, find a spot and it'd be like a little huddle and a uh, little guido was the one that would uh um, halfway through the doobie after he's had a chance to just hit it a few times because it's going around he would disappear he never yeah. said goodbye to us he'd do the Irish goodbye. Yeah,
1: goodbye just be like
0: what happened to little guido where'd he go <laughs> and uh he knew because he didn't want people to be like come on you can hit it again it's not gonna kill you like he knew like boom i just went hit it a couple times i'm gonna be good and um, and he was good like that. He knew his threshold. Knew his By the threshold. way, this isn't going to be a short episode at all. Tonight. No, we were trying to make it short, and it just didn't happen. Sorry, baby. Um, but anyway, it's that pre-workout that I took. Um, Godfather, when I met him, it was a blind date because some I had so many wrestlers were telling me, like, oh, you you got to meet the Godfather, man. He loves smoking like you. I can't <laughs> believe you haven't smoked with him, man. You too, are... Uh, You two would get along so good, man, Uh, because we were both very open uh, about loving marijuana. You know, people were saying the same thing to him. And one day I was at a WWE show. I guess it was probably when ECW was invading WWE. Yeah,
1: that would make sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it must have been then. And, yeah, hey, I got keys to a car want to get out and check it out We were out there you know smoking our first doobie together and it was a fucking blind date <laughs> had met each other before and i was like yeah so <laughs> good to meet you bro finally meet you so that was that was funny
1: <clears throat> that's like batman and superman together boom a, yeah. it's guy. weird how
0: smoking is so social you know um but it is you know people share it he, he, during covid uh, you know the etiquette changed quite a bit to where everyone get their own doobie a lot of times, and and uh, but it seems like it's gone back. You know, and it's 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 weird because it's different than um, I don't know. Like I don't know. I, I guess drinking obviously is social too. Yeah. That some people at home, you know, might have a, a nightcap or whatever. You know, and I don't know. It's just it's something where. um People sometimes uh, strangers I don't even know come. Hey, you mind if I hit that, you know the yes. answer is no. The answer is no if I don't know you. Right. But I mean, they feel almost um, comfortable enough to ask because it's such a social thing that it's like, uh, hey, can you get me high? I want to be high. <laughs> I want to be high, and you're smoking weed. Can I get in on that plan?
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody says here, uh, Daz Two Five Two says, Stone Cold said kind of thing in an interview where we wasn't for him he likes his alcohol
0: wow. it's definitely not for everybody and, and one thing that's for sure um it's definitely not the same as when you first try it which people don't understand people will base their very limited experience um based on that they'll think that's a fact like that's what it does to everybody you know People should not be driving after they smoke marijuana. I hit I smoked a joint one time and I'll tell you what I couldn't tell you my name. I couldn't tell you where I was. I had no coordination. There's no way people should be driving like that. Like stupid ass. That's not <laughs> that's not how people that drive and smoke and weed are. Some of yeah. them, I mean some of them, because they're stupid asses and they shouldn't be, but everybody's different. And and that's, you know, that's in kids definitely. I always say kids should stay away from it. And I'm glad that I did. I didn't smoke till I was twenty one.
1: How about that? Yeah, right? Jeez. Um, um, we'll close it out with this one, Rob. It, it's not. A it's stick, brains are it.
0: still developing, by the way. It's like wet cement and uh, you can still like fuck up the, uh, the final outcome.
1: And they say your yep. brain's not fully developed till you're like 26. 26.
0: Old. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: So how about that? Like, no wonder you can't rent a card until you're 26. Um, what's the one chat I wanted to find here? Somebody just mentioned that they were, they were in, uh, Queens and saw you. And I want to find that comment.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, a few people said they they're enjoying the podcast. I
1: yeah, And that. Oh, they said it there at the convention and stuff. That's yes, awesome.
0: Sir. Yes, sir. Well, oh, yeah.
1: Jeffrey Hughes. That's who it is. He says it was an absolute pleasure meeting you this past Saturday in Queens. You're an awesome dude. So there we go. Cool, yes, sir.
0: Guilty you. as charged. Guilty
1: as charged. Yeah. Well, what's awesome about you too, Rob? Is your RVDology. So, uh, what do you have? For the listeners and viewers this week.
0: It's been a long one. And I got a couple of giggling girls in the other room waiting for me. Uh, So I should uh, try and make this short. But um, hey, man, if I can help somebody out, then it's worth my time. And uh, so I had an idea. Um, A a value of mine that I want to talk about is uh, validation. Self-validation to be in particular. Well, how do we get self-validation? How do we feel uh, that we are valid? Usually, a lot of it is from outside sources. That's what we base. Uh, uh, that's what we base everything on. It's feedback from other people. Uh, and and I'll give you an example. Um, if you are the ugliest girl in school, but everybody tells you you're beautiful, guess what? You're going to feel validated. You're going to feel like you are beautiful. That's what everyone tells you, because what is beautiful? It's subjective anyway. And so is it a real thing? Is there a particular um, profile, um, no. There's there's things that are like more common or majority rules, but everything is subjective, and that's something that that I always say, um, a- anyway. But um, a lot of times, I feel like you should be conscious more of how you're getting your self validation because. The, the best place when you're at your strongest is you get it from yourself. Now, experience is where we get all of our information, firsthand experience, or sometimes learning from other people's experiences. Example, if I beat everybody every time I race, on foot race them, well, I'm going to feel pretty confident that I'm fast. If everyone says I'm the fastest person they've ever seen, I'm going to feel validated. I'm going to have an opinion that, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fast. If I kick a lot of people's asses, if I'm in a lot of fights and and I always beat everybody, everyone up, um, then I'm going to feel pretty confident, you know, that, um, that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I can fight or I'm tough. Um, some people don't have the experience and then they're invalid and they feel that lack of validation and it's awkward and sometimes it's it comes across awkward you know uh i i've talked about when i was in all japan when i first went there and i'm in a hotel room smoking hash with these guys that have been all around the world so many times they're they're, you know doc steve williams and uh gary albright and uh phil lafont and johnny smith and uh these guys are all talking uh, about like oh my god uh remember that bar in china and we were over there, and those, and they were saying that we couldn't be in there, and and I was just like fresh out of high school, and so I did not feel valid. Like I had not been validated to myself. I didn't feel, um, what's the word I'm looking for?
1: Experienced?
0: No, adequate. Okay. I didn't feel like I was up to the standards of contributing to the conversation or maybe even of hanging out with these guys. You know, I mean, what have I done that's going to impress them? Talk, You know, I'm going to talk about a, a fight I got in at a football game, you know. <laughs> um, so um, a lot of people are in that. And a lot of people don't get a lot of experience. And and that's fun. A lot of people uh, – get experience in different areas than they do um in, in other areas and that's fine too and that's normal. Um, you know how how you know how confident am I that I'm a good dresser? Zero. <laughs> Zero. And that's why it's hard also to be by yourself. So if you have somebody else that you can bounce off of, even if it's one person um, especially if it's someone that's like your wife, if she says you look hot, that's all that matters. Like, why do I give a fuck what anyone else thinks? She right. thinks this, this shirt goes with these pants and shoes and she likes it. Boom. That's enough for me to wear it. Otherwise, by myself, I would have like no idea sometimes, you know, like if I, on certain things, you know, and that's, and for me, it's a lot of things because I didn't pay attention to things that a lot of other people did. I did pay attention to certain areas that I've excelled at in life when they weren't paying as much attention. And, um, so it's, that's, that's just the way that, that, that everything is. Um, when, um, if you watch, if you watch the RV that I did with uh, G douche recently on uh, reprogramming yourself, cause uh, um, when you're real little, you take the values of everybody else, everyone that talks to you, 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 and you repeat things that you heard as if those are your own thoughts and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. at a certain age, sometimes you might you might find that you disagree with yourself. I did this, I read theology on reprogramming yourself. And, uh, this, this, uh, this guy G douche, um, what was I? How was I relating that? I'm trying to think of uh, how I was relating the outcome of G. Deuce. Was G- it how
1: he was maybe raised?
0: Uh, no. Well, what it was was it was an altercation. This guy picked a fight with me, and um, he, you know, anyway, the fight consisted of an alleged backbreaker and a headbutt. And uh, and this guy's trying to sue me for tons of money, um, thinking I'm gonna he's gonna get a whole new life off of this bullshit fabricated case. And anyway, it went to trial after four years of carrying on and on. Watch the episode if you haven't on reprogramming. But even though there's audio problems with it, but um, uh, when I, when I'm on the stand, his his lawyer is trying to uh, validate. Uh, his claims that I am like a ninja, you know what I mean. Nobody yeah. would pick a fight with me. Look at him; he's a monster. He actually said, and then he's like, "You would feel like comfortable, like saying that you could probably beat most people up, right?" <laughs> like, what do you, what, what do you mean, like the average person? I said, "What do you? I don't know what you, what you consider an average." He's like the jury, you know, like you, like look at the jury. Like these are average people, and I looked at them. And I was thinking like, how how can I validate how good of a fighter anybody is by looking <laughs> at them? If they're like a yeah. black belt in jiu-jitsu or maybe even a psycho killer over there looking at the glasses. I don't I don't know. Like I don't know any any of these people and well, he, he had a claim that he had to validate, you know. So he was trying to say that since I was in the ring with Brock Lesnar, that I'm one of the toughest guys in the world, you know. And, and it was, of course, his guy didn't try to pick a fight with me. Gee, douche. Nobody would. Well, <clears throat> that was a bunch of bullshit, which is why um, I, I won the case, you know. Um, but I think that you should – test yourself in areas where you need validation. Uh, but, you, but you shouldn't bullshit in areas where, where, uh, where you don't feel validated or you don't feel confident in. Let me use that word instead. But also, man, we don't really need other people to validate us as much as we think we do. You know what I mean? Like it's... That's what I want you to keep in mind. Think about it. Like sometimes people give too much information up out of peer pressure. If someone's talking, and someone's talking. You know, and they're like, yeah, "So, uh, hey, is that? You know, what what kind of car you got?" That's an example. Yeah. And so and so, that's not con- confident, is like, "Oh, uh, I-, I got a Mustang. It's I mean, it's pretty nice. I mean, for me, you know, it's a I like it." You know, I mean, some people do that and it's like so uncomfortable and awkward. Like, why do you feel like you have to go through all of that? And, you know, like, you don't need me to validate you and what you drive. There'll be that, you know, like, uh, oh, that's your wife? Uh, yeah, man, yeah, she's hot. I mean, you know, I think she's hot. She's good looking. I mean, she's no, I mean, she's not, you know, like, a, you know, an Angela Love. I mean, she, you know, I don't know. I just hear Angela Love. I was like an Angela Jolie, but... Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you know people that are if you've had conversations like that, but those people need validation so bad they reek with desperation. So just keep that in mind. Like sometimes, you know what? If you're seeking validation from other people, sometimes that's not the best source because one, they're just people. Two, Everything is subjective anyway, so it's just going to be their opinion, and look in yourself for validation more. You don't have to know that you're um, a great dancer or a great singer unless that's what you want to be. If not, then fuck what the other people want from you. Fuck what the other people apply as standards that you got to meet. And fuck explaining yourself to people in order to be validated. You know what I mean? Like a cop says to you, you got business here? Yes, I do. What, what? What? What is your business? I don't have to tell you. I don't need to. I don't need. I'm not looking for validation from you to tell me if my business is acceptable or not. I said, yes, I have business here. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just an example. But anyway, um, that's what I want to leave you guys with: is uh, self self-validate more, and look for outside validation less.
1: That's a great. That's a great one, Rob. And yeah. you get that too. You get self-validation by experience, just going and experiencing things on your own, and that helps a lot. So
0: it does. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does, and eventually, if you live long enough, you'll experience everything. And 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 yeah, it is a lot. Uh, it's a lot more comfortable being able to be more confident in a lot more areas than I ever was. As you go back further and further in time, and so that's that's something too. And, and areas that you're interested in get more experience in that, and other stuff if you don't really care about it feel it's okay that you're you're not confident or or that you don't feel like you don't know if you qualify for being um, the best juggler or the the you know the best friend to somebody that you don't really enjoy hanging out with anyway. So what if he doesn't consider you a best uh, a good friend? You know is, a, is that what you want us to be a good friend to everybody that's ridiculous yeah. how, could, how could you get out you'd have to that's too much validation from everybody let's get, get it within
1: get it within get it within yep. guys if you like what you're hearing you can tune into rvdtv.com or go to rvdpod.com but that will lead you to the rvd's youtube channel rvd tv will lead you to all of the podcast content that we do and then you can tune in typically early on the Premier Streaming Network. This one, How do you, how do you get to the
0: RVDTV one? Because I tried and
1: I couldn't get it. So just go to RVDTV.com or – On go, YouTube or go on, to – It's it's on YouTube. It's just the – it's a vanity. Not, not,
0: not www.RVDTV.com.
1: Yeah, you can do it that way. Oh, really? Yeah, and it'll hit it there. Or, it's actually a
0: website?
1: So what I did is I, I bought that domain. And then it goes to that. It goes to the YouTube channel. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You can do it that way. Or, and if you subscribe to that, that'll help us out a lot. But uh, also, you know, tune into Rob's channel too. And then you can also, what was else I was going to say? Oh, yeah. If you want to hit it, the direct link, it's youtube.com backslash or forward slash at one of a kind, number one of a kind with RVD. So there you go, guys. Check it out there. Follow Rob at the real RVD. Follow me at Dominic D'Angelo and like, share, comment, do whatever you can on these YouTube channels to help us out and get the word out about it. So, as this is our radiology stuff is great. Rob, you're already getting great feedback here in the chat from it.
0: So Am I? Cool. Yeah, cool, man. That's what keeps me going. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'll read it. Uh, I read it until we close. But cool, man. Uh, so this is going to be posted like right after the show, right man.
1: immediately because it's this week's episode. So and then are we
0: doing Thursday this week? Do you want to do
1: Thursday? We could do Thursday. We could do Friday. That's Whatever fits for you, man. I'm good to go.
0: I think so. Yeah, and I, and we're doing this on Monday, everyone, just because last week we were busy. I was out of town. Uh, and I was in Vegas. <laughs> so yeah yeah that's what it was yeah so all right cool man uh thanks now thanks fan damn fam enjoyed it enjoyed you see you next week
1: see you next week here on one of a kind with rvd
0: stay up